Welcome to the Along Come Norwich podcast. Three yakking yellows yearning for yesteryear when football was still being played. I'm joined as ever by ACN founders Punt. Hello. Lordy. Hey, Roy. And tonight we welcome a colossus of Norwich City yesteryear, Mr. Ewan Roberts. Hello, boys. How are we? Yeah, we're good. We've talked the last couple of pods about the suspended season and, and how it might resolve itself. Um, how, how are you personally doing with, with no football? What are you replacing it with? Uh, the problem for me, there's no football, there's no work. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been, it's been it's tough because you miss it. You know, you're so used to watching games. And I'm so used to going to games to work a weekend, watching games throughout the week. Um, and it's not until it's taken away from you that you realise how much you, you miss it and what a big part of, of your life it is. You know, we're all used to the, the summer months, you know, your, your June, July's of, of, of no football unless there's a major championship on. But from, you know, we're always used to going to games and travelling to games we're in, in March and April. So it has been uh, it has been quite surreal and quite strange. Have you been catching up on any of the old classic games that have been that have been shown? I saw that BBC actually did some really old FA Cup games at the weekend as well. Yes, um, I watched. Oh, I think it was the first couple of um, weekends where we were in lockdown, and they they were showing old FA Cup quarterfinal games on on the Saturday afternoon about half three, four o'clock on the BBC. Um, so I watched a few of them. Watford, my first club, they played. At, um, at Highbury against Arsenal, of course, in the quarterfinal. And I thought I might have been on the bench, but I wasn't. Uh, Malcolm Allen was uh, was on the bench, one of one of my closest friends. Uh, I think we beat them two one on the on the day. But because I do a, a podcast for the for BBC Wales um, over the last couple of weeks, with the BBC in, in Cardiff have been showing the. Um, the game when Wales beat West Germany, um, oh, I think it was '96, around that time. And this weekend they showed the game from 2004, uh, 2002, when we beat Italy two games to two goals to one at the Millennium Stadium when Craig Bellamy raced through and scored. So I've, I've watched bits and pieces. I watched the, the Maradona documentary um, uh, a few weeks ago. That, that, that was a good watch. Yeah, I was going to say, one of my favourite things about lockdown, um, if you're going to have a favourite thing about lockdown, is watching all the old games has really made me appreciate how much of a difference the back pass law made to the yeah, game. Yeah, it does. I know. It's it, it, just incredible. It, that was the, the first thing that I noticed um, watching that game back in, in the early 90s, I think it was, when we beat West Germany 1-0 at the old um, Arms Park. And, yeah. and you could waste so much time, couldn't you? Yeah, just kill the game. As, as defenders, just go pass it back <laughs> to the goalkeeper. He picks it up. He puts his foot through it. It was it, it was unbelievable. So that it's was that was nineteen to get something right. Well, that was ninety two, wasn't it? And if you think about what a what a substantial you know the year that football was invented, um, when you think about what a substantial uh, change that was. Um, for it to have actually been completely universally accepted, I mean, I, I, so ninety two, ninety three was my first my first year going to Carrow Road, um, and so watching live football that I kind of remember, I, I don't actually, I'd actually remember games that weren't that. If you see what I mean, my time of watching yeah. football coincided with it. But um, if you think of VAR and um, Golden Goal and all these other things that we've had over the last few years, that that is one where they actually hundred percent went. Do you know what? That has made the game better. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I, you know, I, I think it would frustrate 
the life out of football supporters now and and players if um, if that law was to be changed and the back pass rule came back in because it's just as I say you could just you could waste minutes and minutes doing it and and, and teams did and I think that's why they changed it in the end. But if you think if you look at VAR, a lot of the frustrations with the VAR being putting aside the fact that fundamentally they're still getting some of the decisions wrong is the, the, the break-up of play and the hold-up of play. So it, it, I think you're right, Ewan, that people are... Uh, we are used to fast-flowing, attacking, quick football, particularly in the top flight, um, and anything that slows that down and breaks it down. And, and likewise, I was thinking, um, you know, Tim Krull did ever so well to avoid a, a booking um, against against Spurs, and then I think in the Leicester game as well when we were defending the 1-0 lead. Um and, you know, he, he really does, he takes, it's a real art form to waste that much time over goal kicks. But actually, I think these days, that's another thing that you, you get away with a lot less. Uh, referees are far quicker to, to book time-wasting goalkeepers now. Um, and again, I think that is part of the fact that generally football now is expected to restart straight away um, compared to, you know, back in your day when you could just, you know, sit around for half an hour and let the game go by you. I, I mean, the one rule that, I mean, it does leave you scratching your head is the old six-second rule for the goalkeeper's got to get rid of the ball out of his hands oh, from yeah. his own box if he's going to kick it. I mean, they're there for 15, 20 seconds um, at times and they've still got the ball in their hand. You know, I don't see the point in having that rule because they, they, they don't take any notice of it whatsoever. It's interesting you raised that one, actually, because that was one that came up in one of the classic games I was watching was at the time it was the rule where I think a goalkeeper could only take three steps when they had the ball in their hands. That's right. And the commentator did actually say in the game because the goalkeeper held on to the ball for a little while and eventually the ref did come over and book him. And it was probably like 18, 20 seconds. It was a ridiculous amount of time. But the commentator (laughs) said in the game, one of the rules that he would like to see at the time implemented was a set number of seconds so that everybody knew what the situation was. But I think you're right, you and that. Oh, right, they said six seconds, but it's not six seconds, is no, it? It's, it's still arbitrary. It's, it's double that. Yeah, it's double that most of the time. I, I, it's, it's, it's where that starts. It's where the six seconds starts because you'll see a lot of times, and I remember so goalkeepers will be looking behind their shoulders, and I remember, I think it was back in the mid-90s was it Gary Crosby kind of headed a ball out of um, I think it might have been Andy Dibble's hands and kind of scored off the back of that and I, I can't remember specifically but I think the goal actually stood so it's yeah, it when the goalkeeper has got it in their hands but when does that actually start as soon as they catch it because you've got players all around you and you've kind of got to be aware of, of what's going on if you're going to kick it and I you don't want to do a Rob Green put it down and let David Johnson just roll it in <laughs> yeah. I was there I was there <laughs> <laughs> On that kind of classic games uh, and what have you, that's happening because there's no real football to watch. So let's just briefly briefly touch on it. We still don't know about these games and whether or not they're going to get played. The Premier League are desperate to do it, but there are just so many, so many kind of logistical um, challenges to, to make that happen. If that does go ahead, we do get these last nine games. How how positive are you that, that Norwich can stay up, Ewan? They've got winnable games, haven't they? You know, you look at the home games... Um, that, that they've got coming up against teams in and around them. Um, I, I just think now with with the gap that that the players have had, and I know it's everybody's in in in, in the same boat. Um, how long will it take for, for for players to get back to the fitness levels where where they were? Because um, how many games have Norwich won all season? Is it five or six? 
No, yeah. I think in the in the league you're only talking yeah like four or five. Yeah, yeah. So it's it is a big ask. You know, I I, I won't make any excuses. You know, when you've won five in 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 twenty nine, I think I think it is. It's a big ask then to win over half your remaining games. Um, but it's not impossible. You know, we've we've seen great escapes in in the past, and we will see them in in the future. Um, I, I think. The squad still have the belief. Thing is, lads, it's such a long time since they last played. I've forgotten their last few results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, we yeah, were yeah. we were actually in a good good kind of vein of form generally. And yeah. um, I mean, you, you again, I just mentioned that that Leicester City performance at home, and obviously we'd be qualified for the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Yeah. So, you know, from a uh, you know, I was thinking again today about the the potential of a null and void season, and whilst if if that means that we we stay up, then that's a positive thing. But it also means that that we all are robbed of. Um, an FA Cup quarterfinal, uh, a winnable, I think, FA Cup quarterfinal tie at home. Um, and then also, what if we were to win that and then we go through to semi-final or final and it's played behind closed doors? Norwich finally get, get to an FA Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can go. go. And, you know, sorry, I'm feeling I am so glad that I haven't got to make that decision because that's, that's nearly an impossible decision to make, I think, whether... They they wait until it's it's safe um, to, to to play these remaining nine ten games. I know some some clubs. I think four in the Premier League have, have, have got ten games to go. Um, it's I'm, I'm glad it's not me that, that's having to make that decision because it's such a you, you you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I think. Yeah, me and John were talking just before we started recording about the fact that the Netherlands have announced. I think it was yesterday. Yeah that they are cancelling their season because all major events have been banned in the country until the 1st of September. So they are saying that this season is over, but they haven't said what they're going to do with this season. And at least in the Premier League, you've kind of got Liverpool as runaway leaders. In uh, Holland, Alkmaar and Ajax yes. are level, yeah. And, and Ajax are top on goal difference, I think, aren't they? Yeah, so they're level on points. So how do you separate them? Like, if you are saying that this season is done, what do you say then? Do you let them share the title or do you just null and void it? Well, it's a similar thing in the, the National League, which is obviously the similar uh, level to the to Dutch football. Um, the National League... <laughs> <laughs> pause, pause for laughter. Uh, yeah, the National League have cancelled the season today. Um, and obviously for, for them, that they're bearing in mind players who've got other jobs that they need to be doing, so they, they're not really in a position to... Um, to be playing going into mags, I think their contracts work differently to to, to everyone else's. Um, their, their, their contracts finish finish soon. Everyone else's pretty much around Europe finished on the thirtieth of June. Um, so the, the whole contract side of things is 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 a really fascinating one. And I, I I just the more I hear when you read on the Athletic and you hear other people talking from from clubs and bits and bobs filters out of these Premier League top brass meetings. The more I hear about it, I, I just can't see how they're going to complete the season in time without having a knock-on effect to our future seasons, which they don't want to do. There are just so, when you think about the number of logistical knock-on consequences to transfer windows and and the fact that just the very fact that all the European leagues are not in sync as it is, so you've got a summer leagues for Scandinavians and things like this. I just cannot see how it's gonna how they're gonna sort it without just saying, do you know what, we're all just gonna start again from from next season and and yeah. just kind of you know because yeah you know, the integrity of the league's gone, so it's never gonna be a full season in that way. By all means, give Liverpool a trophy. Um, yeah. you know, by all means, yeah. say well done. You, you get a trophy for that, but actually, there is no 
there's no litigation avoiding way of, of, of getting it done. It's it's I, I, I've I said that from the start because I've said that from the start because even if you go to behind closed doors, it only takes one player or one manager getting sick and then it throws everything out anyway. So yeah, even if you say again. right, we'll go behind closed doors, you only like when Arteta got sick, that immediately meant that Arsenal couldn't play for two weeks. So it only takes one person getting sick in the whole Premier League bubble that it, it can't happen. So I'm well. Uh, I'm sure it'll be we're barreling here. towards a, yeah. We're, we're barreling towards a date now. We've you know we've had one lockdown extension. You know the deaths, unfortunately, which is obviously far more important than the nonsense that we're talking about. Um, but you know, wouldn't it be nice if there was a, a distraction from 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 kind of the awful state of, of of play with the health of the nation? But whilst whilst the numbers are as they are, we are barreling towards an extension to the furlough scheme, an extension of lockdown. Um, and therefore, we're just going to be pushing further and further back until it's going to be possible to do anything. And th- there comes a point where you just have to draw a line in the sand and say, right, we, we have got to, we've got to kind of cut our losses. Do, do you think there's any chance of them doing that, Ewan? What, saying that this season cannot be finished? Yeah. I think, I think there is a chance of them doing that, yeah. Uh, because as... Am I right in thinking the date of June the thirtieth has has been put out by the Premier League that it, the season must be finished before then? Did I read that? Yeah, somewhere last I, week? Think they, I think I think there was some chat that. about that. Yeah, right. and they, they've kind of backtracked because of the contractual stuff with the the broadcast. Yeah. Value. they've kind of backtracked a bit now. Because, as far as far as, far as I, I understand it, it's more to do with when when the next season has to conclude because of Euro twenty twenty one. I think it's more to do with well, they they know the they don't know the potential start date, but they but they have kind of set a potential it can't finish date. Just simply, because, I mean that that's just logistical. That's just logical. Sorry, because of because of Euro twenty twenty one. Because then what do you do? You have a Euros in the same summer as you have a World Cup. That's <laughs> just not it's not feasible. I mean, I. I it all depends if if we were to finish this season and then when we start the next one. Um, if we were to start the next one, say in mid mid to end of, of of September, then I think it would be doable to get a full season in. Because if you look at at, at the Premier League uh, and take um, take Christmas and Easter out the equation, I think the first. Midweek game in the Premier League was the beginning beginning of December. Yeah, it was quite late. Yeah, it's not as if um, at that level you have too many too many games on a on a Tuesday or or a Wednesday. So I think if it was to start in 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 around September time, um, but but hand on heart, because I, 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 I was listening to the news tonight and. Um, one reporter on there was saying that they, they think this social distancing can maybe go on until the end of the year. Yeah, I, I've if heard that. It's, if if that's the case, you know, this season's got no chance of finishing, and next one's got no chance of starting. Yeah, and the thing is though, what you're saying there, you is, is you're right. That but what you've just done there is you've just illustrated you solved one problem. And you immediately create another one. So yeah. okay, fine. We fit. We finish. We finish at, at that point. We can start in September. But that means the three teams that are then going into the championship, um, they, you know, their first Tuesday game is basically in August. Um, normally, you know, that they it's yeah. usually a Saturday, yeah. Tuesday, Saturday, yeah, Tuesday to is. kick things yeah. off. And, off. Yeah. and so, so basically, there aren't very many Tuesdays and Wednesdays available to actually cram that in, especially with League Cup. 
And then you've got the international break. So maybe instead of doing the international breaks, it's a bit like when players go to the African Cup of Nations, you might say, well, actually, if you've got international players, we're not having an international break. You just have to lump it. You're going to have to play without your international players. Um, because I think that would be a laugh, wouldn't it, for Man City? <laughs> it would, yeah. yeah you, <laughs> might get, you might get a game, Lorne. <laughs> I, I think you've got the Nations League as well, sort of September time um, this year as well, I think. The more you look into it, the more you just think, how on earth are they, are they going to resolve it? And it, I think it's um, maybe it might actually be a bit humbling for football. You know, maybe they might just have to <laughs> eat a bit of humble. No, but, you know, football. No, you know, I agree. It's, 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 it's Ewan's career. It's Ewan's career. It's, it's, you know, our passion. It, you know, it's, it's our distraction. It's, it's what helps so many people with, with mental health. It's, it's such a bright light to so many people. But end of the day, it is only people kicking a ball around. And maybe th- maybe this is the year. People have been talking about, oh, one day the, the bubble might burst with regards to wages going up and up and up and all the rest of it. Maybe this is the year where we go, do you know what? Something came along that was actually quite a lot more important than football. And we went, sorry, you can't have a trophy. You can't go up or down. You're just going to have to be as, you know, fucked as some of the other businesses are that are dealing with with this situation. And you're just going to have to eat some humble pie, cut your cloth and and basically build up again from next year. Or as Ewan said, if, if we're if, if they're limited to not being able to train as a full squad until December, then what are we going to do? Half a season, everyone plays, everyone wants. And then what you're pulling out of the hat, who plays who, where? Like, oh, unlucky, you're playing Man City, Man United, and Chelsea away. Um, do you see what I mean? Like, it's like, I, like you, it's not my job to sort it out. I, I do think it's an easy comment to make when you look at the bottom five in the Premier League. I do think it's an e- easier comment for for certain supporters to say than others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan Brigham of of the programme had an excellent solution to what you could do if we can't all play until December, which is you write off this season and call it null and void. And then instead of having a regular season next season, you have all 92 league clubs in a hat and you just have a straight draw. And it is basically one season that is like the FA Cup where you play a game, the winner goes through, loses out, and you go all the way through until from 92 to one. But what happens, say if you're a, a League Two side and you play that one game and you get knocked out, you've got no other games for that the rest of the season. It's a, it's a good point and you should raise it with yeah. Dad. It's going to be hard enough for them as it is. You know, they find it hard, League, League Two sides, they find it hard to get through the summer months with no income coming through the gates and having to play staff yeah. and having to play... Uh, let alone to do it from well, nearly the, the the beginning of March until well we we don't know. Yeah, was that it was that Dan's idea, was it? Yeah, it's Dan's idea. Yeah. Take it with Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how is it how is it affecting the Welsh league, Ewan? Um, similar to to the the, the English league and, and the non-league system in. Uh, they they stop playing exactly the same time, uh, exactly the same week. Uh, I'm not too sure if they've null and voided it yet. I've I've not I've not read anywhere. Um, I, I think they're probably waiting to see what happens elsewhere before they uh, they they make any decisions. Because I think there's only the one full time professional team in in the Welsh league, and that's TNS. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're in the same boat as as everybody else. They're just sitting and, and waiting to see what happens. 
naturally, as a Norwich fan, I know quite a few different stories about about you and Roberts. But I was trying to find something that maybe I hadn't seen you talk about locally, at least recently. I saw that you actually came out in support of this uh, stopping younger people heading footballs. Um, and I, I saw the date on the article and it was over three years ago, which which is obviously quite a long time before it finally yeah. kind of got became yeah. the norm. So I'd be interested to find out what was it that led you to, to get behind that campaign? Um, was that three years ago, was it? It was over three years ago, yeah. Right. I, I can remember um, having an interview um, and I can't remember who it was with now. Was that? It was it was it's that while ago. But recently I've, I did a documentary for... Um, the Welsh Channel S4C about the um, effect of heading of football and dementia in ex-players. Um, and then I met uh, Dr. Michael Gray, who is one of the heads in this field, who's the UEA, um, and, and sat down and had a chat with him. And, and he asked me to um, go on board with the scores project that they've got there, which is uh, three or four different tests that they 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 send out to ex um, ex professional footballers to see how um, oh, upstairs is is working if 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 you know what I mean. And these tests they you do them every six months. You can do them from from home, um, and then they they check um, if there's anything different in the one in the test that you've just done to the one that you did six six months ago. And if there is, obviously, there's certain things they can do. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, I was asked the question, Would I? Would, did I think it was a good player, a, a good idea to stop children from under a certain age from heading a ball? And, and I, I know I, I made a living out of it. It was a massive part of my game. You know, I, I was quite strong in the air. And I did sound a bit of a hypocrite when I said, yeah, I, I think it would be a good idea. I think in America for years now they've banned it from uh, from I think children under the age of of eleven, and you know we've seen first and foremost the Scottish FA they came out and and banned it in in kids football. Now the the English and I think the Irish FA have have followed suit, because, and, and it's not just for obviously the, the risk of damaging your brain is is there for for everybody to see. Uh, you know we've just lost Duncan Forbes last October, an absolute hero for, for, for everybody connected with, with Norwich City. He'd suffered dementia for, for many, many years. And, you know, he was a big, strong centre-half who was, who was strong in the air. Um, and, and I just thought, yeah, I don't think they should be heading a ball until a certain age because it's not going to make or break whether they go on to become professional uh, or not. I'm, I'm, another reason why I thought it would be a good idea because it would help them develop other skills. You know, their, their awareness, um, their, their control with, with both feet. Um, I think that would improve immensely. Their, their passing range would improve immensely if, if they were, if, or if they had to keep the ball under, under head height. Which is also, if you look at the majority of the, the teams in the Premier League, um, or the ones that are nice to watch anyway, um, you know, you, you there aren't that many phenomenal in the air players no, who, no. who are playing the game. I mean, look at the, in fact, look at the Norwich team for example. God, you know, Hanley's obviously, you know, his head's you know a mile wide, which helps. But you know, <laughs> there, there are there's some, they, you know, we've got some strong defenders in terms of Godfrey and and, and Hanley and, and Zimbo. Um, but realistically, short of Steeperman, no one can, no one ahead of those lot can keep the can hold the ball up at all. It's actually no. a real, it's a real gap in our 
in our kind of skill set at the moment. So you could almost argue that, as you say, you're not going to be ruled out for for, for being any good at 13, 14 and, if you're not really good think, at it. Yeah. I just think the game, I, 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 I wouldn't like to guess the percentage of it, is played on the floor these days. There's not too many teams that do go route one or, or, or long ball. I think the majority of teams, majority of teams, try and play out the back through midfield. Um, and I, I read somewhere, I think the, it was the English FA that came out and said before they sort of banned children from under the ages of, of 11 from heading the ball. I think on average, in, a, in, a, in a, an under-12s game, I think, uh, there would be two headers in a game. And I'm thinking, well, if that's the case, you might as well stop them from heading it at, at that age. Because I think the, mm. the human brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25. So the damage that that must cause, I mean, we won't let, I don't think we'd let our kids go into a boxing ring at, at 10 or 11. But, you know, I certainly wouldn't because of the, of, of the element of risk that, that goes with that. Um, don't get me wrong. I I I did mind my my son Ben playing football. Uh, loved it. And back back then, I probably never gave it a second thought. But now that I'm I've finished, um, yeah. And I think it is a, an age thing with me. I am quite forgetful. Uh, you know, where have I left my car keys? Where's my wallet? Just stupid little stuff, which I probably most people do at some point. Uh, but I think the older you get, and because of my profession. And the amount of times, not just in, in a game, you know, people only see a heading in a game. If, if, you, if you put that sort of repetition of heading a ball on a daily basis, uh, you know, through 20 years of, of playing, that's a lot of headed footballs, lads. Do you know what I mean? Well, my, my, my dad's uh, got uh, a form of dementia and he was a defender um, and, you know, over six foot and uh, uh, good in the air, and yeah. a big part. A big part of his game was being because uh, he's sort of long and rangy, opposite build to me. Um, and he he was he was heading all the time. And he he in the kind of early days of him realizing there was something a bit more severe than I keep forgetting where my keys are, and it yeah. being and it being slightly obvious that there was something slightly more serious going and, on. And he, that's the he thing. Didn't think maybe that was involved. <clears throat> and, and that's the thing. It's not just ex-professional footballers, but it's 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 ex-amateur players. Who maybe would only train twice twice a week and play play on a Saturday, you know. In this documentary I did, I I interviewed um, a, a, a man in North Wales, and his dad, I think his dad was 75, 76, uh, played at a good level in 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 amateur, on the amateur level in North Wales, and he'd suffered from dementia for for ten years. So it's not just it's I think it's a problem for. For everybody, you know, whoever plays football, it's it could come, it could sort of affect you in in later life, and and I think I think the the, the PFA and and the FA could could do a lot more to uh, to help the research. I was at Cardiff at the playoff final. Yeah, and um, I mean, admittedly, I played a slightly less significant role than you. Um, but one you thing is, a disservice, Tom. One thing I'd completely <laughs> forgotten was that you started the game on the bench. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think I pulled my hamstring at Burnley away. Um, so I missed the last six, seven games of the season. I missed yeah. the first leg against Wolves, but I, I got myself fit for the second leg at, at Molyneux. 
uh, but only only on the bench. And I think I came on at half time because David Nielsen got injured. Um, so that was the first time I I sort of played any part in in in, in the playoffs uh, since I picked up that injury at, uh, at Turf Moor. Um, so yeah, so I wasn't fit enough to to start. And to be fair, the, the lads had put a great run together to get to get us into that sixth spot. Um, and, and those lads deserved to start the game because, as I say, I hadn't been involved, hadn't really played any part in 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 getting us into the playoffs. But I, I, obviously, I, I was fit to to be on the bench, and if need needed to need be, you know, throw me on with twenty twenty five half an hour to 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 go and. And and that's what Nigel did. Uh, well, I think he he sent me on with about ten minutes to go or something like that. I think. I think. Well, uh, that don't want to give any spoilers away on the quiz later, so um, I won't confirm. <laughs> I, I do know when you came on. But but what's what's it like building up to a game of that magnitude? Um, you know, huge for the club, huge for you personally. You know, shame it wasn't at Wembley, but you know that was a very impressive <laughs> stadium. But I guess for you that was probably even more special, was it, being it was- in Cardiff? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I played there a few times uh, for, for for Wales. I played there oh, about twelve months before when we had a friendly against Brazil, and I think it was the first time that the roof had been closed and the atmosphere was was unbelievable. But I was good mates with the um, with the groundsman. I, I got to know him quite well from from being or playing there a few times with with the Welsh team, um, and he says that day against Birmingham, uh, you know. Yellow and green, one side, blue and white, the other. He said that's the best atmosphere he's ever heard, um, and it, and it was a great day. It was a great day. You know, I was, I'm not from Cardiff. I'm from North Wales, but we're a small country and of not much population. Um, so it was great. It was great to go back. It was just a a, a sad ending to a, a a very very good season. I think there's a listener question on this. John will know, but did when you scored. Uh, in the in extra time, did you think that was a golden I goal? Did, yeah, I did. I did. I was off. I, was, I don't know did. what it was because I, I, we hadn't looked at the rules. You, I mean, you never do as a player. You don't. You, you don't look. Or does it go straight into penalties? Or what happens if mm. you, you just go out there and, and and you start playing? And, and I, I think there've been a couple of competitions. I, I think I think Germany had won something where I think they'd won the European Championships by a golden goal a few years before. For, for some reason, I just thought it was um, and. I think with about yeah. two minutes of it was normal about time. That yeah, I think with about two minutes of normal time to go, I think it was either Mark Rivers or but I think yeah, it's definitely Mark Rivers who's who's crossed the ball from the right hand side and it's coming across their six yard box and I'm at the back post sliding in and I'm thinking, Oh, had I made contact and I scored, I would have definitely scored. And just as it as it's coming to to my right foot, Jeff Kenner slid in and just got the smallest of touches. To take it away, had he not, had he not slid in, ninety uh, percent sure I would have scored and we would have won the game. And obviously, then you go into into extra time and to score within thirty seconds or whatever it was. And I was off because <laughs> obviously I, I've I've watched it a few times and I'm I'm running towards the halfway line because the fans were with that side and all the lads have jumped on top of me and one by one they're getting off me and I've got up and I've sort of. Turned my collar back down. I've I've looked to my left, and I've got Stern John and Jeff Horsfield about to take a cuff. I could not believe it. At the time, <laughs> it was, at the time, it was the most important goal I'd ever scored. Moving on, we've we got some more listener questions, punt. 
My friend Stephen Kerno got in touch, Ewan, and he asks, did you watch the episode of EastEnders where you got a mention? Or yes, I, I should probably broaden this out. Are you even I aware did. of this episode of I EastEnders? Am. I am, yeah, I am, because um, Italy were playing Wales, weren't they? I think that's what it was. Um, and do you, do you know Joe Ferrari, lads? Yeah. 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 Uh, Joe's mum used to write the script, didn't she? Oh, you know yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did yeah, know that, yeah. She used to write for for EastEnders, and and I I, I was her favourite player, and she, yeah, she got me. And oh, what was the Italian brothers? There was two oh, Italian brothers, mean. yeah, in, yeah. In, in in EastEnders, and and they're watching the game, and and and, and Wales are getting battered, and one of them goes, "And oh, what do you expect? They should have picked that you and Robert, shouldn't they?" <laughs> and I couldn't believe it I just burst out laughing so yeah I, I, that, that's when you know you've made it when the Italian brothers are mentioning your name on EastEnders Jamie Wallace on Instagram and he's asked well he's asked a couple of questions but he said when you're at Norwich or at any other point in your career did the Premier League come calling and did you turn down any other moves whilst you're at Norwich that you were tempted by um, did the Premier League come calling it didn't while I was at Norwich. Um, I did turn down Nottingham Forest and a move back to Huddersfield in my in my time at Norwich. Because and at the time, my agent was um, little David Speedy, who used to play for Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I remember him. Yeah, because I, I played with Speedo uh, at Leicester, and he's someone that I got on really, really well with. Anyway, he got his he got his um, license to become an agent, and I I never used an agent to be honest with you. Uh, and I said, oh, you know, will you represent me? And he was, yeah, no problem. So he, he, he sort of helped me move from Leicester to Wolves. And then within 12 months, obviously, I'm, I'm then moving from Wolves to Norwich, which he helped me out with. And then he was trying to force another move, really. I think it was three years into my Norwich career. Um, I think he'd spoken to, to Nottingham Forest. He'd spoken to, and, and this is how these things work, you know, Agents, they they do go out there. They they do try and and and, and sell you with with really without your permission and without mm. you wanting to move. Um, and I, I was I was coming to a to a part of 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 the year where my contract would would come to an end. Um, and the club hadn't really started discussing new terms or or, or whatever with me. Um, but I wanted to stay. You know, I was settled. Didn't want to move. Loved playing for the club. Loved living in 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 in, in Norfolk. You know, what a, what a beautiful part of of the country. I, I'd settled. I had three young children. They loved it here. They'd settled at school. So I didn't really want to move. Um, and we fell out about it. And and that was probably the last time. Not not, not the last time we spoke, but that was definitely the last time that he uh, he sort of represented me because I wasn't happy with with the way things had been conducted. And I sat down with, with Bruce Rioch within a few days, um, sat down in his office at Coley, and we sort of, I spoke honestly, wanted to stay, you know, loved working with him. And, and it took about five minutes for us both to agree on, I think it was a new two-year contract. Yeah, it was a new two-year contract. And, and both parties were happy. You know, I didn't want to leave. It's as simple as that. And I, I kind of noted that it's something I'm interested in. You've always played for predominantly similar-sized clubs. So you look at, like, Watford, Leicester, Huddersfield, Norwich. They're all kind of of a similar ilk. I'm really interested, because you've kind of been across clubs like that. What made Norwich different? What makes Norwich special, I guess, in your eyes? Do you know what? They were all, they were all special, especially, especially Huddersfield. 
and Leicester. You know, I was only at Leicester for mm. two and a half years. I, I loved it there. And, and looking back, if I have, if I had any regrets whatsoever about my career, is leaving leaving Leicester when when I did. We just won. Uh, the, the the second of, of two promotions that that I'd had in in the two and a half years we were going to be playing Premier League the the following season um, and I probably cut my nose off to spite my face lads if I'm honest with you because something was said by the then chairman before the before the playoff final against Crystal Palace and I'd been in a similar situation to to the Norwich playoff I'd I'd missed the last. Last six games, missed the running with broken ribs and a punctured lung. But I got myself fit about two or three days before the final. So I wasn't match fit, don't get me wrong, but I was fit to play some sort of part if, if need be. Anyway, uh, the then chairman, uh, he was overheard saying that I didn't deserve to be in the squad because the lads who deserved to be in the squad, the lads who'd played well and won four out of their last five or six games to nick that sixth position, and I, I, that hurt me to be fair because I think I'd scored twenty goals in in thirty eight appearances in in the league. So I thought I I played my part. If 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 you if you understand what I'm saying, I played mm. my part that year to help get the club to 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 the top six. <clears throat> anyway, that sort of sat uncomfortable uncomfortably with me, um, and Martin O'Neill offered me. Oh, we sat down and he, he, the terms that he offered me, I wasn't happy with. I'd been there two and a half years. And even though we'd, we'd run promotion um, on two occasions, my, my sort of wages hadn't, hadn't sort of got higher. They'd stayed at the same level where I, the day that I signed from, from Huddersfield. Um, so, you know, Speedo said that Wolves were keen and I knew Wolves was a big club with a big support, fantastic stadium. The closest club to my mum and dad's which would mean that they wouldn't have too far to come and watch me play which was important to me um, and I, I sort of turned me back on, on Leicester and then for the next six or seven years you know they went to League Cup finals they, they, they won yeah. the League Cup they won the League Cup on a couple of occasions I think they finished in the top ten more times they finished in the in the bottom half under Martin O'Neill probably mm. went on and it's tough to say <clears throat> consistently probably the the, the best best sort of era in, in the club's history. That's a daft thing to say, considering that they won the, the Premier League in 2015. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you started the trajectory that ended in them winning the Premier League, mate, if you ask me. like that, I think they really thank you for it. <laughs> those, those 20 goals is what did it. <laughs> and it was. I, 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 I enjoyed my, I've enjoyed my time at every club I've played for, well, apart from, apart from Gillingham. Uh, and, you know, I, it was hard at Huddersfield when I when I first went there. I, I found it hard to to settle in. I was a young boy. They paid a record fee of um, two hundred and seventy five thousand pound at the time. I was I was replacing a legend in the club's eyes in Craig Maskell, and I I found it hard. I only scored fifteen goals in my first season, and they were expecting someone to come in and get thirty five goals. Uh, but you know you, you you win people over. You roll your sleeve up and. And I got, I think in my second season there, I got 34, <clears throat> which is my best ever tally. Um, I say, love my time at Leicester. Even Wolves, people don't, people think that I didn't enjoy playing for, for Wolves. I did, you know, we had a great dressing room. We had a really good bunch of lads. And that one, one year, I think we finished third. I think Barnsley finished second and Man City finished top. 
we, we should have got up in the, in the top two. You know, we had the squad to to have done it, but we couldn't handle the pressure of playing at Molyneux in front of our own fans and the expectancy that that, that sort of came with. Uh, but I, I enjoyed my twelve months there. But yeah, you know, when you when you when you then move and you're at a club for for seven years, uh, it's got to have something special about it for for you to stay that long and for you to fall in love with the football club, fall in love with the people of of, of Norwich and Norfolk, and and, and just the, the whole package. You know, you, in my eyes, it it doesn't get any better. Hmm. Let's have one more question then, Ewan. So we've got Lee German on Twitter, um, and I kind of want to expand this question out. So he's asked for your favourite strike partner and best player you've played with at Norwich. Now, I'm going to take the leap of faith that it might be Craig Bellamy or Darren Huckabee, and I kind of wanted to ask you, if you had to choose one of Huck's or Bellas to play throughout your entire Norwich career... Who would you go for? Ah, oh, that's like that's like asking who your favourite child is, isn't it? That's that's, that's, that's <laughs> question. Which is fine because everyone's got uh, one, so that's how fine. Do you, how, how do you know? I'm not going to say Adrian Coote. Oh, go for it then, mate. Yeah. Oh, Chris Llewellyn, you can have him as well. Uh, you know Adrian Coote. Adrian Coote did make you look really good. <laughs> and, and for the first six months, I made him look really good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you've you've mentioned two names there who who were special. You know what I mean? And um, they they had that X factor. They they got fans off off their seats. Um, I, 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 looking back at when when I played with Bellas, we just hit it off straight away. We we never we were, we were good friends. Don't get me wrong. Even though he was closer to my son Ben's age than he was to me. I mean, we used to live on the Dussendale at the time because any new player coming in, he'd be taken there and shown around Dussendale. Oh, this is a new development. A lot of the lads live here, and, and Craig only lived two minutes away, and he lived on his own because his girlfriend at the time, Claire, she'd be going back to Cardiff. So we said, "I'll come and have some tea," and he'd come and have some tea, and instead of like sitting with myself and, and talking about football, he'd be upstairs playing PlayStation with Ben for, for two or three hours. On then, <laughs> yeah, I got. Don't get me wrong, I, I fell out with Craig. Um, I fell out with him um, on on many occasions, but I sort of I, I looked at. I looked at him as a little brother, if you like. Not that he needed looking after. Bellas could look after himself, you know. That, that's that's the thing. Um, but we just... And it's as if I knew exactly what he wanted and vice versa. And I, it's 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 not something that we worked on. Yeah, of course, we, we trained together, but we, we wouldn't work on specific things for us to have that understanding. It sort of... And it is hard to explain. It just happened. Um, and it's it's the same... It's the same with 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 hooks. Uh, it's it's such a hard one to choose, and because I, I I played more games with with Craig, I think, than I did with Darren. Um, I just think the the big difference is, I mean, they're both stupidly quick, both could score goals, but I think I think Craig was more selfish than Darren. I think Hooks gets gets more, or he'd get as much pleasure in assisting and creating a goal as he would in scoring. For just so just for that reason, I've got to tip towards Darren. God, I didn't expect you to pick one. He's a wow. very good lad. I, I've got to, and I have got to. Yeah, he's, he's a good lad. Uh, that, just one final one final thing on on strikers. Um, so you know you scored a, a few goals for Norwich. It's fair to say, but since you hung up your yellow shirt, who would you say is the the greatest we've had 
um, to to have that kind of number nine, number ten main leading goal scorer. And I've I've already I'll, I'll take out Becky Lafferty, Van Walswinkel, Oliveira. They're not in they're not in the running. <laughs> yeah. Um, but from so Pukki, Cameron, Jerome, Ashton, and Holt. I, I think am I missing anyone? Uh, up you know, post uh, Robert's era. Sibierski. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So Pookie, Cameron Jerome, Ashton Holt, of those four, who who would you say is has been the greatest to follow in your footsteps? I've got to say Holtie. Okay. Um because I think I think he's done it for, for longer than the others. I mean Dean was you know, Dean was a magnificent player. I'd I played against Dean when he was a, a young lad at crew and technically um, had great ability, would have gone on to play for England, but I don't think Norwich fans saw the best of him. Um, Cameron Jerome, who I'd seen since his early days at Cardiff, I was a big fan of his, his work rate was tremendous, um, took a little bit of, of stick at, at times from, 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 from certain fans, but I, I, I thought he was a great, great signing for the club and a you know, really good, solid member of, 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 of that squad and that team. Um, you know, Pookie's come in and been unbelievable. You know, you you look at his career, and <clears throat> I don't think he's ever sort of hit the numbers that that he that he has since he, he's he's come to Norwich. You know, to get the, the amount of goals that he did last year, and, and once again, his work rate is 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 magnificent. That's what you want from your centre forwards. He's got great awareness. He's intelligent. Um, his his movements very very good. But I just think for, for just for the goals that he scored, um, and he was a typical number nine big Holt. You know, the, the goals that he scored, he lifted the club, had a massive part in getting the club from from League One into the Championship, and then staying in in the Premier League. And I I think he should have gone. Was it the World Cup? He should have gone when he, he got 15, 16 goals in that Premier League season. Yeah, 2012, was it the, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he, he should have gone. It was simple. I think he was the second highest. English goal scorer behind Wayne Rooney. You know, he should have gone. So, for, for the amount of goals he scored in uh, in in the space of, of games that he was here at the club, you know, you, you just can't, you just, you just look at that, that and, 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 and think what an absolutely magnificent record he had and what an achievement it was. It's time for the Long Come Norwich quiz. Ewan, you have got one minute to answer six questions on football. That's the topic we thought we'd go with tonight. Um, and obviously, you'll then be up against Punt and Lawn to see if they can uh, match you. Uh, yeah. A couple of these may have come up uh, earlier when we've been talking, some of these answers. So we'll see how well the boys have been listening. But uh, <laughs> Punt, if you'd, be, if you'd be kind enough to do the timing, uh, Ewan, sure. your time starts now. Who got the assist for Jeff Horsfield's equaliser in the Cardiff playoff final? Oh, Stan Lazaridis. No. Who was in goal for Birmingham that day? Uh, Nicole Vassar. Correct. Which Welsh team plays their games at Jenner Park Stadium? At Jenner Park? Yeah. Pass. Uh, in which year was Molyneux created for Wolves to play at? 1922. No. Uh, name one of the joint top scorers for Wales all time. 
Oh, sorry, okay. joint third. Beg your pardon, joint third. They're behind Rushy. Uh, Ivan Olshert. Correct. Uh, who was the last player to win the FA, the FIFA Player of the Year whilst playing at an Italian club? Pass. Uh, who got the assist for Jeff Horsfield's equaliser in the playoff final? <laughs> You've asked that, haven't you? Yeah, no, he's giving you another chance. Um, Jeff Kenner. Incorrect. Which Welsh team plays their games at Jenner Park Stadium? Pass. Uh, Time. Two, two out of six is not bad. Oh, they were, yeah. they were harder questions. Yeah, I get it. I get it now. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm a bit sorry. <laughs> You're going to get... They were harder questions than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You didn't so... make it easy. You did not make it easy, Pete. <laughs> Who headed the ball back across for Jeff Horsfield to equalise? Number eight. Ooh. Not a clue. Darren Carter. But I, to be fair, I only know this because I re-watched the, watched the highlights of it recently. It's Stern John. Um, uh, I got that. Uh, well, you could have done it when it was your turn just now. Jenna uh, <laughs> Park Stadium. Anyone know who plays there? No, Welsh football yeah. grounds aren't my thing. I've never been a Welsh club yeah. on football manager. That's my thing. It was Barry Town. Is it? Oh, right. Never played there. Uh, Molyneux was founded in 1889. It's close. 40 years. <laughs> uh, uh, you got, got Trevor Allchurch. Uh, Tre- uh, sorry, Ivor Allchurch. Trevor Ford was the other one. Ford, you could have yeah. had. Uh, and then the last player to win the FIFA Player of the Year whilst playing with an Italian club was a Brazilian in 2007. Anyone? Ronaldo? No. Rivaldo? No. Ronaldinho? Romario? No. I've had a few, haven't they? Kaka. Kafu. Oh, yeah, AC. So, two out of six to draw level and push it to a tiebreaker. Uh, Three to go into the lead punt. Your time starts now. Who crossed the ball for Ewan to score in the playoff final? Alex Notman. Correct. Who was the substitute goalkeeper for Norwich that day? Oh, Paul Crichton. Correct. Which (laughs) Scottish team plays at Fur Hill Stadium? Uh, St Mirren. Incorrect. What nationality is Wolves striker Adama Traore? No idea. Portuguese. Now, which former Norwich City player had 78 caps for Wales? Uh, former. Craig Bellamy. Correct. Other than Leicester, name a Midlands club to only win the English top flight once. Ooh, Wolves. No. Uh, who? Which Scottish team plays at the Firhill Stadium? Falkirk. No. Which nationality is Wolf striker Adama Traore? Um, Ghanaian. No. Uh, other than Leicester, name a Midlands club to win the English flight once. English top flight once. Villa. Oh, I'm... No. So you've got three. So you right. edged ahead. Um, so Scottish team that plays at Firhill Stadium. With the world. Thistle. Uh, uh, I mean, it could strike, be. You don't check these properly. Portuguese, <laughs> Portuguese was a very good shout for it being Wolves, but he is actually Spanish. Pretty close. Is he? Apparently. Um, that's, that, that's from the Wolves website, which is also where I got <laughs> the Molyneux one from. Um, I was looking at Wolves, obviously, with the Ewan Roberts link. Uh, you've got Craig Bellamy. Um, so Leicester City won the uh, English top flight once. Nottingham Forest have only won it once. And West Brom have only won it once. Forest only won it once. I thought they'd won it a couple of times. Okay. Apparently, it was just 77, 78 uh, on the one website I looked at. Uh, so, yeah, that's the end of the <laughs> six. So, you're currently in the league with three. 
Uh, your time, Lauren, starts now. Who did Ewan replace as a sub in the playoff final? Uh, Paul McVeigh. No, you weren't listening. Other than Paul McVeigh. Who was the other unused substitute? Um, unused uh, pass. Uh, which Scottish team plays at the Global Energy Stadium? Ow. That's not the real name. What's the real name of that? Uh, Falkirk. No. What nationality is Wolves striker Raul Jimenez? Spanish? No. no. What former Norwich City player scored oh, 16 goals for Wales? Pass. What name? Name seems to win. <laughs> Mexican. Yes, Mexican. Two points. <laughs> Which former Norwich City player scored 16 goals for Wales? Uh, Bellamy. Incorrect. No. Name a team to win the English second tier at least five times. Um, Aston Villa. Uh, no. Uh, who did you replace as a sub in the playoff final? Time. David Nelson. No, you said it after time, so no. Oh, <laughs> you gave me that, that last week, you <laughs> No, sorry. So you got two out So you, you drew with you in two out of six. Um, so well it, was obviously, it was obviously David Nielsen. Uh, uh, do you remember, Ewan, who also wasn't off the bench in the playoff final other than Paul Crichton? Um, no, I have no idea. It was Mark Libra. Um, oh, he, still was he? Well, he wasn't getting on the pitch, but according to according to the, the freeze frame I took of YouTube, he was. Okay, right. After that Man City game on the walk home, my friend Sean turned to me and said, "If Man United offered ten million for Mark Libra right now, I would sell." <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So uh, the other one we had was uh, the Global Energy Stadium is Ross County. Of yeah, it's not the real name. Yeah, okay. What is the real uh, name, Ross uh, County, Lonnie? Uh, Something different. Brilliant. Yeah. Well uh, and then uh, you could have had uh, Leicester seven times, Man City seven times, Derby County five times, or Sheffield Wednesday five times for the English second tier winners. Uh, that means that Punt is the winner. I did have a tie break. See if uh, Ewan gets this one. Uh, your former team, Wolves, won League One uh, with an amazing tally of points. How many points did they get when they stormed League One? 110. Uh, Lorne? 82. That wouldn't be that What's impressive. What 82? I, I said 82 because I think he's trying to lead me up a garden path. Yeah, 104. Oh, my God. He's really good at these guesses. 103. Oh, yes. But well played. Punt, you are victorious. Uh, you are victorious this week. Uh, Ewan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for Thank your Thank you, boys. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. My pleasure. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Em. Bye.